Welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning, a 15 to 20 minute daily recap of headlines you may have missed. Come for the news, stay for the snarky commentary. Good morning and welcome to Everything Yesterday This Morning on a Tuesday. I'm your host, literally Heather. As we approach the election, it will become increasingly difficult for me to find news unrelated to the election, but I will continue to do my best. With that said, um, some polls came out yesterday from ABC that showcase how out of touch with reality politicians like Nancy Pelosi really are. The planet, the democracy, the future for our children is on the ballot, Pelosi desperately told ABC News as she confronted the stark polls ahead of the midterms. Don't get me started on the future of our children part. Uh, Joe Biden's approval rating is stuck below 40% with Republicans clinging to a very narrow edge in the generic congressional ballot. More worrisome to Democrats is that the issues that they have the most voter trust on are among the least likely to be ranked as top concerns with voters. Republicans have big backing on handling inflation, the economy, and crime. 76% of those surveyed called inflation a top issue. 84% say that uh, about the economy, and 69% say the same about crime. According to, it was an ABC poll. Democrats have a wide advantage in handling abortion rights, but that's ranked as a top issue by only 62% of people in the poll. Climate change is another area of lopsided trust for the party, but it's a highly important issue only to 50% of the country. We, this is a direct quote from Nancy. We know that the public is with us. It's just a question of turning out the vote. Come on, sis. Do you know the public is with you? You just got booed off a stage in New York City. I'm pretty sure that you don't know the public at all anymore. The term historic is often thrown around casually in the financial markets, whether referring to historic rate hikes, historic inflation, historic yield curve moves. Sometimes, however, things happen that are actually deserving of being called historic. In November of 2021, Joe Biden ordered the excess release of 50 million barrels of crude oil from the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, or for the sake of time, SPR. Then, In late March of 2022, he followed up that release with the release of 1 million barrels daily until a total of 180 million barrels was sent out into the general market. This release schedule was indeed historic, both in size and speed. The Strategic Petroleum Reserve was established in 1974 to safeguard U.S. national energy security against possible events like the Middle East embargo of 1973, when oil-producing countries temporarily halted crude oil shipments to the United States and several other countries as a form of protest. The embargo caused prices at the pump to skyrocket and gas stations to run out of fuel. The era was marked by images of long lines of cars waiting to fuel up, gas stations with no gasoline to sell. The SPR was not designed to help the U.S. government manage bad policies and the price consumers paid for gasoline at the pump, but it has been used that way by multiple administrations. Whether it works or not is another question. 
According to a study done at the Department of Treasury by Assistant Secretary for Economic Policy Benjamin Harris and Deputy Assistant Secretary for Climate and Energy Economics Catherine Wolfram, Biden's massive SPR release, quote, lowered the price of gasoline by 17 cents to 42 cents per gallon, with an alternate approach suggesting a point of estimate of 38 cents per gallon. The question now becomes, is releasing emergency oil reserves when there are no fuel shortages or lines at the gas station worth what might come next? According to the U.S. Energy Information Administration, the SPR has dropped to its lowest level since 1985. Stockpiles have fallen to just under 445 million barrels from their pre-release levels of just over 612 million. That's a depletion of about 27% in crude stockpiles in a very short period of time. And given the current geopolitical tensions, the SPR needs to be refilled. The SPR was built to alleviate domestic supply shortages. The department released a purchase plan earlier this year where they essentially are waiting on the market price to drop before they do so. This purchase plan essentially introduces a buyer into the market at lower levels, that buyer being the United States government, and it potentially holds crude oil prices higher than they would be without the presence of this buyer. Worse yet, if there's an exogenous shock and crude supplies are interrupted, prices may not be lower. The Department of Energy may be forced to buy at whatever market price at the time, or they may delay purchases altogether. Solicited bids from producers are taken well before actual transaction dates, so pricing and timing can cause volatility on their own from uh, from a hedging perspective. Refilling the SPR to such a large degree, whatever the timing, may affect an artificial floor in the crude oil market and be historic. You guys know my thoughts on TikTok? The UK's Information Commissioner's Office, or ICO, has found that the video sharing platform may have processed the data of under 13-year-olds without appropriate consent. The watchdog said the breach happened over more than two years, until July of 2020, but that it had not yet drawn final conclusions. TikTok says it disputes the findings, of course they do, noting that they are provisional. The ICO has issued TikTok Incorporated and TikTok Information Technologies UK Limited with a Notice of Intent, a legal document which precedes a potential fine. The notice sets out the ICO's provisional view that TikTok breached UK data protection law between May of 2018 and July of 2020. The ICO investigation found the social platform may have processed the data of children under 13 without parental consent, failed to provide proper information to its users in a concise, transparent, and easily understood way, and processed special category data without legal grounds to do so. According to Ofcom, 44% of 8- to 12-year-olds in the United Kingdom use TikTok, despite its policies forbidding under-13s on the platform. Information Commissioner John Edwards said, quote, we all want children to be able to learn and experience the digital world, but with proper data privacy protections. Companies providing digital services have a legal duty to put those protections in place, but our provisional view is that TikTok fell short of meeting that requirement. 
TikTok has rolled out a number of features to strengthen the privacy and safety on the site, but they still send it all over to China, including allowing parents to link their accounts to their children's and disabling direct messaging for under 16-year-olds. I'm sorry. What use and purpose would anyone under the age of 16 have to be on this platform? Let me know in the comments because I don't understand. I've been on there. There is nothing productive for them. I would argue there's little productive for adults too, but that's a conversation for another day. I spent 10 minutes on there yesterday in lieu of reading this article and saw seven videos that a child under the age of 16 should not see. I need to legitimately understand why you would want to allow your children on TikTok. In 2019, the firm was given a record $5.7 million fine by the FTC for mishandling children's data. It has also been fined in South Korea for similar reasons. I encourage you, I'm going to link the case in South Korea in the description. I would encourage you to go check that article out as well, why South Korea sued them. In July, the U.S. Senate Commerce Committee voted to approve a measure that would raise the age of children, that children, were given special online privacy protections to 16 and prohibit targeted advertising to children without consent. In the most tone-deaf fashion you could imagine, negotiators of a stopgap spending bill in the U.S. Congress have agreed to include nearly $12 billion in new military and economic aid to Ukraine, reflecting continued bipartisan support for the Kyiv government in the wake of Russia's invasion. In response to a request from the Biden administration, the funding would include $4.5 billion to provide defense capabilities and equipment to Ukraine, as well as a $2.7 billion to continue military, intelligence, and other defense support. It will also include $4.5 billion, oh, you guys are going to love this one, $4.5 billion to continue to provide direct budget support to the Kyiv government through the next quarter. That way, President Volodymyr Zelensky and his administration can pay salaries to essential staff, support Ukrainians fleeing conflict, and cover other critical expenses to help civilians, a government official said. Biden asked Congress earlier this month to provide $11.7 billion in new emergency military and economic aid for Ukraine in the stopgap spending bill. There is widespread support in Congress from both Biden's fellow Democrats and Republicans, for helping Ukraine defend itself following the Russian invasion. Gee, I wonder why there's so much support for it. Couldn't possibly be because they're all getting kickbacks from the outrageous amounts of money they're laundering over there, could it? Milk that cash cow before November, am I right? It's hard to find any feminist boss babe pride in the election of Georgia Maloney for Prime Minister of Italy. The first female prime minister of Italy, mind you. As a matter of fact, it's hard to find a single objective article in Western media. She's a white supremacist nationalist compared to the likes of Benito Mussolini. The near final results from Sunday's election show her Brothers of Italy party, Fratelli d'Italia, will lead a right-wing coalition joined by former prime minister Silvio Berlusconi's center-right Forza Italia party and fellow right-wing firebrand Matteo Salvini's League Party. The government is predicted to have a majority in both the upper and lower houses of Italy's parliament. 
giving Maloney power to enact her, this is directly from the article, nationalist Eurosceptic platform and swelling the ranks of far-right figures at the top of European politics. The results confirm her party's rise from a radical fringe group to the driving force in right-wing Italian politics. The near-final results confirmed it won more than 26% of the total vote. In the last national election in 2018, it got only 4%. What does that tell you? Like, I'm all about, you know, diversity of thought and things like that. And that pendulum, right? What does it tell you when they went from 4% to 26% in just a matter of four years? That, That has to speak volumes to what's going on. People are rejecting your policies. So perhaps look inwards instead of projecting white supremacy and and all of that garbage. Like maybe look at what your policies are doing and you'll see why these results are what they are. I digress. I'm sorry. While Maloney has pledged to support Ukraine, Berlusconi said last week in an Italian news network, Putin was pushed by the Russian people, by his party, by his ministers to come up with this special operation. Using Russian President Vladimir Putin's terminology for his military campaign, Salvini is a long-standing admirer of Putin and has argued for scrapping Western sanctions on Russia. This will be interesting to watch play out as Marine Le Pen makes moves in France, Orban in Hungary, and Duda in Poland. It could damage Europe's partnership with the United States and their big globalist agenda. Damn, that would be a shame, wouldn't it? Want to hear more about more money the government is spending that they don't have without taking it from your children and your children's grandchildren's children? The Biden administration is laying out its plan to meet an ambitious goal of ending hunger in the U.S. by 2030, including expanding monthly benefits that help low-income Americans buy food. The administration, in a plan that was released yesterday, is also seeking to increase healthy eating and physical activity so that fewer people are afflicted with diabetes, obesity, hypertension, and other diet-related diseases. It said it would work to expand Medicaid and Medicare access to obesity counseling and nutrition. Biden is hosting a conference this week on hunger, nutrition, and health. It's the first by the White House since 1969. That conference under President Richard Nixon was a pivotal pivotal movement. Oh gosh, I can't talk. Moment that influenced the US policy food agenda for 50 years. It led to a greatly expanded food stamps program and gave rise to the WIC or Women, Infant, and Children program, which serves half the babies born in the United States by providing women with parenting advice, breastfeeding support, and food assistance. Over the years, cuts to federal programs coupled with stigmas over welfare and big changes to how food and farming systems are run have prompted declines in access to food. Biden is hoping this week's conference is similarly transformative. But the goal of Nixon, a Republican, also was to put an end to hunger in America for all time. And yet, 10% of U.S. households in 2021 suffered food insecurity, meaning they were uncertain they could get enough food to feed themselves or their families because they lacked money or resources for food, according to the FDA. Well, perhaps if you didn't lock people down and shut everything down, they would have had access to food in 2021. Um, 
To succeed, Biden needs buy-in from the private sector and an increasingly partisan Congress. Some of the goals sound reminiscent of the former First Lady Michelle Obama's Let's Move initiative to tackle childhood obesity and promote healthy eating. The conference also will highlight the need for access to better, healthier food and exercise. Perhaps, if this is a priority for this administration and the government feels the need to spend the stolen money on something, we should stop funding Ukraine and use those dollars to feed families here in the United States. Just a thought. That is your Tuesday edition of Everything Yesterday This Morning. I hope you guys have a great day today, and I will see you tomorrow. If you like today's show, be sure to subscribe and turn on notifications so you never miss an episode. Also, please don't forget to check out shouseinthehouse.com and never forget that free men do not need permission from any government. Have a great day.